0: you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hello and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I am your host And I'm delighted to be your guide to help you deliver your retail transformation. Thank you for tuning in. This one is episode 133, number 133. Now, it won't surprise you if I say that many transformations have an element of technology in them. In fact, many transformations are actually centered around the technology and the change that that particular technology brings. So of course, technology is always going to be a regular theme here on the Retail Transformation Show. So today, I'm really delighted to welcome a a real retail technology expert onto the show. And in fact, if you're a long-time listener to the show, then you will actually be welcoming Maya Knights back onto the Retail Transformation Show. Maya is a great mind when it comes to retail technology. She's the author of two books... Firstly, she is co-author of Amazon, How the World's Most Relentless Retailer Will Continue to Revolutionise Commerce. And she wrote that with Natalie Berg. And she's also co-written Omnichannel Retail, How to Build Winning Stores in a Digital World, which she co-wrote with Tim Mason. These were both brilliant books, and in fact, featured as conversations earlier on in the Retail Transformation Show. So if you scroll back through the archives to episode 16 and 17 you'll hear a fantastic conversation with Natalie Berg and of course Maya Knight where we dive into what's going on with Amazon and of course Amazon as a, a company continue to evolve so it's a really interesting conversation that one and it's a topic that of course we're going to dive into a little bit today as well so there's a bit of a sneak peek for you and then in episode 30 and 31 Tim Mason joined the show to talk about Omnichannel Retail and how to win at Omnichannel Retail more specifically. Another great conversation there. So do check those episodes out if you haven't already done so. But right here, right now, we are going to be talking to Maya. Maya is the director and publisher at retailtechnology.co.uk and a hugely influential figure in the world of retail and, like I say, retail technology in particular. So I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Show notes for today are going to be at obandco.uk133. So let's welcome Maya Knights back onto the Retail Transformation Show. So, here on the Retail Transformation Show, I'm very glad to be joined by Maya Knights, who returns and joins us once again. Maya, how are things? Fabulously! Thank you so much for having me back. Well, it's brilliant. It's been a, been a little while, a bit overdue. So I am so glad to welcome you back here. And we're going to be diving into one of your specialist topics today, which is all about retail technology, of course. There's a huge amount going on. What what are you seeing? What's What's catching your eye in the world of retail technology, Maya?
1: That's a big question from the macro
0: <laughs> view. <laughs> Jump straight on in.
1: Yeah. And from the context, speaking from a context of having looked at this for nearly 25 years now, I think finally the floodgates are possibly opening. Finally, retailers are starting to develop a more mature, healthy attitude towards technology and what it can do for their business. Mm. I've always thought that retailers have quite a parochial attitude towards technology. They see it as a cost center, not a revenue generator. Even when they have the likes of, you know, behemoths, we'll leave the Amazon, the A word out for now. But (laughs) anybody, anybody that was running their business digitally before 2020 has run away with it since. Mm. And I think, you know, maybe I know retailers love to be fast followers. They don't like to sort of forge out, out ahead. They liked to see what the Amazons of this world would do and then kind of maybe sat on their haunches and thought, mm, let's see if they you know, give them enough give themselves enough rope to hang themselves with. But if they don't, I might try a little bit of that myself. Mm. And I think the attitude towards technology generally has had to change. And I'm seeing a lot more senior levels of retail take the impact of technology and digital um, in retail a lot more seriously. And really reflect on how that should shape their own commercial models moving forward
0: mm. and given that has been driven by the pandemic do you think the opening of the floodgates as you describe it Maya do you think those floodgates will close as things return to sort of whatever form of normality we decide to uh, to end up on as as the pandemic subsides what are your thoughts
1: that's a good question. I think they will return to as normal as normal becomes, if you see what I mean. Mm. So as, a, as, a, as an analyst, everyone wants to know, beforehand, everyone wants to know, where is going to top out? You know, How much of my business is going to be e Now everybody wants to know where's e going to return to? Mm. And where are stores going to be left in that sense? And I think retailers are looking to try and right-size their technology investments proportionally to that level mm. to the level with which we in their eyes split our shopping between online and offline but actually what they should be saying is i need to facilitate the journey wherever it is i can't hedge my bets anymore i can't say i will split my inventory or split my investment 30 60 or and you know 10 for contingency between online and stores they have to make sure every investment that they make from a technology perspective in store can be measured against the uplift it brings in sales across all channels. And likewise, any investment in online has to be measured with new KPIs that can show the value that those sales that come from that online investment
0: actually can be attributed back to stores if possible or if necessary as well. Mm. That's interesting that you come out with it that way because ROI and business cases and so on have always in my experience been very important when you're talking about major technology investments but I think some of the speed of responding to the pandemic perhaps caused some of that analysis to be bypassed <laughs> for just get it done you know
1: I yes you're right I also think that the measures weren't fit for purpose mm. they still aren't in that sense I think getting down into the detail of what technologies have been deployed we're not necessarily seeing anything new Mm. we're not necessarily seeing anything revolutionary leave amazon fresh stores and just walk out technology aside Mm. qr codes mobile apps scan and go barcode scanning you know these are things that retailers have had the capability to give to consumers for a long time and let's not forget that they've been using it in their back offices for 60 years plus when it comes to barcodes Yep. So it really does reflect the speed of change or the appetite for speed of change on the part of retailers mm. that they've been forced, I think, into bringing quite mature technologies into the mainstream mm. and scaling them properly. You know, M&S is the first retailer to say they're going to roll out, um, scan and pay across their entire estate. It's not just put by, for a particular format and it's not a gun for this format and your own phone for another format and checkoutless technology for another, which is confusing for consumers, you know, they, if you're going to go all in, go all in. Yeah. Um, and, and so I suppose going back to your original question, it's no longer a luxury. It's no longer a nice to have. It's a necessity.
0: Mm. It's a competitive
1: differentiator.
0: It's interesting point that you raise that, you know, we're now deploying mature technologies we talked about uh, the strategy of having fast followers a bit earlier on. And why is it taking so long? Because we, we're always talking about how fast everything is and how, how much change there is, yet we're deploying, as you say, 60-year-old technology sometimes.
1: So I've heard people describe RFID as a technology solution looking for a problem to solve. Yep. Right? So you could say that in that sense, a lot of these technologies have become the solution that retailers need to cope with the fallout, the aftermath of the pandemic and the consumer shifts Mm. um, that have been accelerated as a result. But we're all saying and I think we're all agreeing that those trends were already there. And what was lacking was matching that speed of change, the the pace of change which was being dictated by the consumer who was empowered by these digital tools. Mm. Was not being matched by retailers. I think a lot of retailers have been hanging it out, exploiting that long tail, and hoping against against hope that they'll be left standing when the rest of the rest of their competition aren't. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 been proven quite clear that you can't afford to rest on your laurels. You can't afford to just exploit the long tail because the long tail are not your best customers, mm. and your best customers are responsible for the lion's share of your profit and your, and your sales and your revenue. So you really need to focus on them. You really need to focus on giving them more of what they want so that you can also go out and find more like them. I say this so often. And I just think, yeah, in that sense, it's, it's, it's shone a light on complacency. I know my co-author on my Amazon book, Natalie, and a good friend as well, she likes to talk about the death of mediocre retail. And I think it, it, when it comes to technology um, investment, what we're hopefully seeing is the death of complacency.
0: Mm, yeah, I think that's a critical point for everyone to to really consider that death of complacency that you can't rest on your laurels anymore because, you know, we've got the likes of Amazon who are continually trying out new technologies and, you know, new business models, new propositions. There's a lot to be very interested in what Amazon are doing. What's interesting from an Amazon perspective from for you, Maya?
1: So maybe I've given retailers a a bit of a a get out by saying that they should never really compare themselves directly to Amazon because Amazon is a tech company first and a retailer second. Mm. But I have since originally saying that also said that what's shaken out is that Amazon needs to learn some of the merchant curation smarts of retailers and retailers Mm. still need to learn the digital smarts of an Amazon. Yep. So there is kind of like a, a symbiotic relationship emerging there where there are learnings to be made, I think. So when I look at what Amazon's doing, I'm really looking at what they're doing from a technolo- technological standpoint that could be repeatable and applicable to other retailers. And, of course, I think the apex example that will be in everybody's minds on this front is the Just walk out technology, how it's being expanded into the U.K., And how they're looking to scale it, Um, obviously in the UK, being their sort of secondary test bed to their own domestic market, grocery as a general sector and their activities in that have attracted a lot of interest in terms of their activities over the last year as well. But yeah, from a a technology standpoint... From a consumer technology-facing standpoint, I think the, the apex sort of example that we will, that's on everybody's lips is Amazon Fresh. But also, I've been looking at what they're doing in terms of doubling down on their own logistics capability, buying their own cargo fleet, for example, mm. hearing what they might be doing about returns, making returns easier for us, maybe picking them up as they drop things off, drop deliveries off, mm. no-brainer, gosh, why are other people doing that already? and obviously again there's the there's whether or not it's relevant specifically relevant to retailers, what interests me about Amazon are the headwinds that they face in the sense that they're all external they're all policy related and I think it's no surprise that Bezos has stepped down to become the wizard behind the curtain and really just focus on lobbying essentially mm. so that the company doesn't get broken up so there's some real big tech questions that have emerged out of the the last few months, I think where that's relevant for retailers is really to the extent of the control that they may be able to, the view they have of us as consumers. So I think privacy has really risen up the agenda mm. from a digi- on a digital front where maybe safety, health, safety has risen hugely up the agenda on a physical front for retailers. And so I think, yeah, the power that they wield in that sense to be able to use the information to know us better has become really, really important. We as consumers have become a lot more aware of it as well. And I think Natalie and I kind of touched on this in the book when we talked about reaching peak Amazon. But little did we know at the time that that the pandemic was going to give them a heck of a lot. Uh, more headroom to grow, you know.
0: Um, it was the first little mountain of the range, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, the, the pandemic has finished what Amazon started from a digital technology perspective, both macro and
0: customer facing. Mm. And you, you touched on data there in terms of one of Amazon's big strengths, knowing us, but also then skirting around uh, privacy issues and concerns and so on. And of course, that. Data was a a huge topic in in your second book, Omnichannel Retail, as well. What are you seeing in the world of data, particularly customer data? What's what's exciting right now?
1: Very good question. Um, As you are starting to ask the question, I just thought, you know, that that point I made about complacency in terms of retail investments, Mm. retail technology investments, right-sizing commercial models in line with the digital transformation strategy, Also, I think, applies to data. I hear on one hand, I still hear on one hand, I'm swimming in data, I don't know what to do with it. And on the other hand, you know, data is the new oil. Yep. But as a consumer, I don't really feel like it's being used particularly usefully or powerfully. I really, the the big black hole, uh, to reference Omnichannel Retail's theme, um, is the store. It's still not using my data in the store. I mean, some people don't want that. They might be creeped out by that. But if you're signing yeah. up for permissions, opting into this and that, you know, you've now got Apple's IDFA making app owners ask users, is it okay if I track you outside this app? Yeah. People are becoming a lot more aware of that. And if you give them a reason to do so, if you're asking them to opt in as they're standing at the shelf edge, what, as before, just before you're about to offer them a... A recipe suggestion that includes a voucher, of course they're going to opt in. Of course they're going to opt in. And then you get that data point that they've been at that shelf edge looking at that product at that particular moment, linked back to their online identity where they're browsing with you, where they might be researching with you, they might be checking out for collection or they might be ordering for delivery. But without that kind of connection in the store, you, you only see half the person mm I think consumers want that they've got their mobiles out so much more now because they're primed and ready to pay from a low no touch perspective in store. yep so exploit it a bit more, get to know me a bit more better, and show me you know me a bit more better a a bit better mm. in terms of personalising the experience and streamlining it for me.
0: It's interesting what you say around you're only seeing half of the personal, probably even smaller than that, right. When you think about Amazon and their move into grocery stores, when you think about Alexa moving into our homes, and then, you know, if Amazon are moving into healthcare and education and banking and all these other aspects as well, how much of a a threat is Amazon and that full customer perspective compared to perhaps a clothing retailer that is seeing a tiny, tiny proportion of that customer compared to Amazon. What are your thoughts?
1: One word relevance. Mm. So again, you cannot, as a retailer, compare yourself to the behemoth that is Amazon. But what you can do is look to why they're doing what they're doing and try and borrow some of that because it's obviously working. Mm. Why they're doing what they're doing is that they want to embed themselves in our lives so that they have a th- truly three hundred and sixty degree view of what we want, so that they can give us what we want before we even know we want it. Yeah. And then, in that sense, the brand equity swells to an absolutely vast proportion from a competitive landscape standpoint. You know, your your go to is Amazon. Mm. You know, for search, for I just need it now. All these things, that's, that's where they've really stamped their, their, their brand, their unique brand identity. What I would say to your average fashion retailer is, I need to be relevant. I need to demonstrate relevance to my consumer in the space that I serve them. But in order to do so, I need to see the consumer as a whole person. Mm. I don't just need to see them when they're walking into my store or when they're shopping with me online, because frankly, they're doing both. Mm. And when they're doing both, they're probably doing both with your competitors as well. Mm. And understanding that journey is becoming much, much more vital. Mm. Amazon has an advantage because it's embedded in so many different parts of our lives. I think it's not hoovering up data around us left, right and center. You might, by default, be getting a lot of data about your customers, but it's what you ask of the data that's absolutely key Mm. in terms of trying to infer why they buy with you, when they buy with you, who they are, what they're buying, what they're buying when. Mm. (laughs) You know, that could change. Missions change. Levels of friction change. And it's that complexity layered in a kind of matrix style against multiple channels and touch points that seems to have just left retailers at sea and actually i think you know there are a lot of technology tools out there to help them make sense of it mm. it's going back to the, having the right strategy asking the right questions um to serve the the right sized commercial model for the 21st century
0: yep that makes sense aside from amazon who's doing a good job of that who's on the right path do you think in the market if anyone
1: yeah let's be fair amazon is the undisputed winner mm. But there have been some that have done really, really well. I think JD Sports has done particularly well. They are still, I would say, a multi-channel retailer, but they're trying darned hard to be omnichannel and they're showing, they show you that they're trying to be omnichannel. Mm. I mean, I admire John Lewis for some of the really tough decisions that they've made, but I think and I, it's too early to say, you know, are they gonna be to UK consumers in the 21st century what they were in the 20th century mm. still yet to shake out but i think they've given themselves the best chance by taking some really painful decisions that actually i think they should have taken a long time ago so you know that's a good example of potentially not you know someone that's winning but someone that's taking the necessary steps to to right size the ship and and win going forward I, I admire walmart i think walmart's done a huge amount i think a bit like amazon they have mm. enough money to make huge mistakes i think Jet was a huge mistake, but they've managed to salvage quite a lot out of it. And so the gains that they're making online with advertising, with marketplaces, I see Kroger going into marketplaces as well. Yep. I mean, the grocers have done amazingly in terms of, you know, propping up countries left, right and center from an essential retail perspective. Mm. But I notice as the results come out that they just haven't been able to do it profitably. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, that there's 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 that question mark. I think those that have been able to capitalise on the huge growth in online without letting it erode margins and maintain profitability have done best,
0: really. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And Maya, just as we come to the end of our conversation, I'd like to think quite expansively. What's exciting you most about technology? What sort of Funky innovations or, or what's the next big thing that Ooh. yeah, you are excited by?
1: Ooh. Bit like the original question about, you know, what technologies, what's t- happening with mm. technology, and I said nothing new. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to say there is nothing new that excites me. Oh really? But what does excite me is the fact that we now have an opportunity to see some of these technologies at scale. What is exciting me is the next phase of mobile, for example, I'm starting to see mobile, let's say, you'd like this, Ollie. I think, um, you know, we talk about the industrial revolution. Mm. And then we talk about the born age, maybe being the 20th century. And I think moving into the 21st century, think about the way the car enabled so many other things. Mm. From a retail specific perspective, we make the point in an omnichannel retail book that We would never have had out of town, retail park, the weekly big shop, the big box store without the age of the car, the advent of the car. Mm. The household being able to do the shop in one big, you know, the the mum to be traditional about it, you know, being able to do the weekly shop. Mm. I think we're in the same phase now with mobile Mm. in the sense that I think we've only scratched the surface of what's possible. From a retail perspective with mobile, I like seeing you know developments around um, AR fitting, AR discovery, for example, in store and in your home. So bringing products into your home as well as helping you navigate the store better, helping the store to become more immersive. I think using data to make my digital journey more relevant, helping me get to things quicker, that can be done in a fun way enjoyable way if mm. you're giving me nice big arrows you know I can point I can use Google Maps and now use AR to show me the way mm. not just sort of looking at a flat, flat image why can't I do that in a store why mm. can't I do that in an airport yet you know, why can't I <laughs> plan my journey from beginning to entering the airport to getting to the gate and being able to book my meal without having to worry that I'm going to miss my call <laughs> There's some really 20th century problems we're still dealing with yep. as consumers. And I think it's the technology that's brought to bear to solve those problems that excites me. Mm. And, I, and I think the mobile phone has to be the glue that's going to stick online to, to the physical and, and, and really help retailers give us a, a customer experience, a shopping experience that's 21st century fit.
0: I love that, Maya. I'd never thought of it that way in as much as the car was the physical vehicle that allowed us as consumers to you know extend our reach and go to as you say many different locations and massively develop retail whereas now the phone is the digital vehicle that allows us to extend our reach and it feels like we're only just scratching the surface as you say so much potential i think it's uh, definitely one to think about what does the phone as a digital vehicle mean to you and your business in the future. Very interesting. Maya, thank you so much for, for joining me once again on the Retail Transformation Show. What's the best way for people to, to find out more or to reach out or learn more?
1: Oh, great. Um, yes, please find me on LinkedIn, Maya Knight, or my pre-professional Twitter handle, Mazza Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Before I knew I'd need to use it for work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Such as the evolution of the phone, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely, the evolution of digital. I think it's been a really positive way to end this that we are on the cusp of great things with digital. And I think the pandemic, we have the pandemic largely to thank for that as far as retailers are concerned.
0: Fascinating. Thank you so much, Maya. I appreciate you so much.
1: You too, Ollie. Thanks so much. And keep up the good work with the podcasts and loving them. Thanks for having me back.
0: Thanks, Maya. That was a great conversation and it was a real delight to once again welcome Maya back onto the show. She always has so much insight and so many great perspectives to share. So if you would like to reach out and connect with Maya, I will make sure to put on her social links for LinkedIn and Twitter in particular on the show notes, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 133. And if you're wondering what to listen to next, then do go and check out those conversations that I mentioned right at the start of the show with Natalie Berg and Maya on episode 16 and 17, where we're diving into all things Amazon. And then with Tim Mason in episode 30 and 31, where we talk about Omnichannel retail. And that was, of course, the second book that Maya co-wrote with Tim there. But I would also encourage you, slightly more recently, to check out another couple of episodes. Episode 125, highlighted eight factors shaping technology led transformation some really key points in there lots of golden nuggets and if you're wanting to push the boundary and explore some more disruptive technologies then do definitely check out episode 128 where Kathy Hackle joins to discuss the world of AR and VR and the metaverse a really interesting conversation there i learned a lot from that one So do go and check all those episodes out. Thank you for tuning in today. Do remember to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and make sure you catch every week's episode of the Retail Transformation Show. And I will look forward to joining you in another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.